I really wish that I could like record over that with like a more friendly thing saying, you know, this meeting is going to be recorded. You know, if you don't want to have your face filmed, you know, you can turn your camera off, but it's just such a robotic, awful, this meeting is official and anything you can and say will be used against you in the court of law. <laughs> I hate it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'll have to edit that whole little rant off too. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. Mom, you want to say the opening prayer for us? Sure. Our kind heavenly Father, we're so grateful this evening to meet together to discuss Isaiah. We appreciate the writings of Isaiah, and the we're grateful to have extra insight from Avraham Gileadi into this book and we're grateful for thy spirit to help and guide us through through this and help us discern the things that are true and, and right and we ask you please bless us that we'll have thy spirit with us in abundance this evening and and please bless those who aren't with us this evening that they'll join with us at a later date and we're grateful for the friendships that we've formed and, and we're grateful for the things that we are blessed with with each day it's well since we pray for in the name of thy son jesus christ amen amen All right. Well, I have like some different slides and stuff for people who are not familiar with Isaiah's bifid structure, etc. But I'm just going to put them up on the screen. But I mean, obviously, we all know what we're um, kind of getting at here. So um, I've went through and copied all of uh, Avraham's chapter summaries and, and kind of put those on some different slides for each of the different sections. So for the first section of um, the seven part structure is ruin and rebirth. And so these chapter summaries, uh, kind of looking at them in that, that process of, of ruin and rebirth. Um, I'm trying to, I should have put what page I got these on. So this one is figure four from page 18 of his uh, literary book. And it, it talks about the, the first half of Isaiah versus the second half of Isaiah, where it starts off with national ruin and universal rebirth. And then it flips in the second half for a universal ruin and national rebirth. That there's this juxtaposition that they're... they're they're never experiencing ruin at the same time. They're never experiencing rebirth at the same time. In, in a general sense, they're, they're always linked, but opposite. And so I thought that that was interesting reading this for the first time. I've never uh, read Isaiah uh, before, especially not, I mean, like the Book of Mormon, I've read that a whole bunch of times, but I've never understood it. And so going through this in, uh, with a good study buddy, Avraham Gileadi, looking at these different things, looking at the different charts and uh, graphs that, that he's had with lots of um, hours of study poured into it, I found them very helpful um, as we're going through. And so um, going through the uh, this chart and applying it to the chapter headings, where we, we look at what these chapters are dealing with, they are national ruin and a universal rebirth that the enemies do do prosper uh, seemingly as Israel goes apostate and then on the flip side in part two that there's the universal ruin and the national rebirth anyway so I I'd normally explain that a lot more for all of the the people in in class there but um I think we've uh, got a, a good idea on that with Isaiah decoded and, and everything. So one thing I, I did with my mom today and um, just kind of 
going to do this as well. I want to take these two paragraphs in, uh, this is the book that I keep referencing, The Literary Message of Isaiah by Avraham. It goes through the Bifid structure. And um, these two paragraphs are very insightful. And so as I read these, think about where we're at in our present day. Are we in part one or are we in part two? And so it says in the first unit, which is Isaiah one through five, an emphasis on national ruin and universal rebirth. It says that the rulers of Jehovah's people or the political ones pursue payoffs and personal rewards, which we can definitely see, right? Their elders enrich themselves by depriving the needy. Their leaders mislead them, abolishing the traditional ways. Jerusalem and Judea suffer a dearth of food and leadership, causing anarchy and collapse. The women of Jehovah's people are stripped of their finery. The land's gateways lie bereaved and forlorn, lacking traffic. Like a widow in mourning, Jehovah's people sit on the ground, destitute. Aliens have invaded the land and laid it waste. The mountains quake and the people's corpses lie like litter about the streets. Lebanon and Bashan, mountains and hills, towers and ships are laid low. The land lies ruined, its cities burned with fire. Jehovah's vineyard has turned into a desolation overgrown by briars and thorns. The nations of the world, on the other hand, participate in Zion's rebirth when it gains universal prominence. And then it switches over to the second unit, where in Isaiah 34 through 35, it reaches this pattern. And um, Jehovah's rage is upon all nations whom he has doomed consigned to the slaughter. When the heavens roll up as a scroll, its starry host cast themselves down. The earth turns into a wasteland. <clears throat> Jehovah's ransomed ones, on the other hand, return to Zion, crowned with everlasting joy. Wilderness and desert blossom as the crocus. The thirsty place becomes springs of water. And Jehovah's holy ones again traverse roads. And so um, I thought that that was very interesting, taking those two um, different kind of like summaries or, or bullet points out of these sections and thinking, well, where are we at right now? The, the second unit just, I mean, yes, we might uh, experience those in part, but um, it, it doesn't seem like we've even entered into that second half of what Isaiah is prophesying there. But the first half, we can definitely see some of those things coming about into fruition. But yeah, I, it's interesting kind of taking these writings and really finding ourselves in them. Um, so Mother, where do you think we're at specifically in all of those uh, different bullet points? I don't know. We're definitely in the tribulations. I don't know if it's the first set or the second set. Mm -hmm. And so tell. do you think that, that these two parts of Isaiah um, that's dealing with ruin and rebirth are the two sets of, of tribulations, like the two, three and a half year periods that we hear about a lot? Yeah, probably. I don't know. That was a question that I have in my margin as well. I seems plausible. I, I don't know if that, I wish we had like some, we need like Rodolfo on our, our chat, <laughs> asking questions. What about this? <laughs> but um, uh, we definitely see border problems. We see our elders enriching themselves by depriving the needy. We see our people pursuing payoffs, or the leaders pursuing payoffs. Um, dearth of food and leadership i mean we're starting to to really come upon a scary time in in u.s history with with that sure but lacking traffic i don't know if that's totally honest yet because <laughs> lacking what? what did you say lacking what traffic where it says the land's gateways lie bereaved and forlorn lacking traffic and I don't know, I haven't seen that come to fruition. Yeah. Yet. It seems like the, the roads are busier than ever. Everything's still going, trade mm -hmm. is full bore. Yeah. So were you in Isaiah one? Is that where you started? Uh, yeah, so um, so the, 
all of the things that I read were like just little bullet points from Isaiah one through five and 34 and 35. Um, wow. Like at Isaiah 18, I learned something about this one that, and I might've learned it from you, but I really like this Isaiah 18. So where it says, um, and let's see, it says, come now and let us reason together, say at the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they should be um, red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And someone pointed out that wool was really interesting because he's the lamb and wool comes from lamb. Interesting, yeah. Did you say that? I, I don't know. Someone said that. That wasn't really cool. <laughs> Isn't that really cool though? Uh huh. Yeah, but that's the lamb of God. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't uh, picked that out. I love where I figure out onto something that makes sense of it. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Have you ever listened to Abraham's uh, like apocalyptic commentary on like kind of verse by verse what the, the different things mean and stuff? I, I've been listening to that a lot recently. So I, it's great and I can listen to it and I can learn what I'm learning. But then after that, I forget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I put it on when I'm working but then yeah when I come home I'm like okay now what what was that that I learned it was really cool I should have wrote it down but it takes a lot of effort to like transfer it over to my scriptures and like try to remember things yeah it's really hard to find time to study deeply um you know like it's great and I have the opportunity at work to put earbuds in and listen, but you know, that kind of learning is just kind of a passive learning. It can never be full on. And so, you know, the spending hours and hours on Isaiah in the actual book with a pen and pencil kind of thing is really hard to, to, to get that level. I, I, <laughs> I crave that. Like Rodolfo does. Oh my goodness. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, we were talking about in Sunday school today, the, uh, you know, application of the, the parable of the 10 virgins and stuff. And um, uh, something that was brought up was the, I can't remember if it was Oaks or Bednar or somebody, but they were talking about how they study the scriptures. And um, uh, somebody says, can we just like borrow your scriptures and look at all of the, your, your margins and everything? And he's like, oh, heck no. <laughs> I mean, my kids upon my death have expressed instructions to destroy my scriptures because that would be robbing them of oil. And, and so we kind of talked about that principle in Sunday school today. Like we have to, to, to do it on our own kind of thing. Uh, how many times have I, I looked at Rodolfo's like big long study notes and, and all of this. And it's like, Oh man, if I could just be in his brain for five minutes, but then I think, okay, Cameron, you can, you can do this. You, you got to learn how to, to ride the bike before you can hop on the bicycle kind of thing. <laughs> Sometimes I, I wish I could just like download all this information that people have always studied. But yeah, he has posted some amazing uh, different studies and, and things on Isaiah. I, I really I haven't even had time to fully go through those. Uh, I need to. Um, let's see. Praying that the Spirit will bring all these things to my remembrance when I need them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not remembering them all. Not even to be able to <laughs> my family where it sounds like it makes any sense. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, it's one thing to like get it finally, but then it's one thing to actually teach it and, and express what you've been learning and, and stuff too. Yeah. Um, so in our last class, we read chapters one through three as a group. Um, let's go ahead and read um, chapters 34 and 35. So whether you have uh, Avraham's translation or the King James version, uh, whatever, uh, I'm going to pull up the Isaiah Explained website so that we can look at the King James 
and the Isaiah Institute side by side. Just a second. I have that on my iPad, Karen, and, uh, but I'm like back at the beginning of Isaiah. How do I hurry back to the like 34? Uh -huh. So like if you look at the screen, I've got it pulled up now. So up. On, on here, there's a listing of all the chapters. So uh -huh. you can click on 34 and 35. Does that look like that on the iPad? It doesn't. I, it doesn't have that. I wonder if I need to go back a step. Maybe. If not, I'll text it to you real quick. That way you can. Huh. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not seeing that big where this goes into the chapters. Okay. Um. So, if anyone's unfamiliar with the Isaiah Explained website, that's the uh, kind of one of Avraham's first websites that, that has all of his uh, translations and comparisons and commentary on it. So up at the top, we have the Isaiah Institute translation. And then the next button over is the comparative translation, where it takes the King James, the Isaiah Institute, and the Masoretic texts side by side. And then if you click on Apocalyptic Commentary, it will have, just a second, loading. Um, I don't know why my computer's being so slow all of a sudden. Just a second. Um, so it has each verse with his commentary right underneath it. Um, then it goes to a new verse and, and all the commentary there. And then off to the side, you can also listen to his commentary. Chapter one. If you'd like to do that or read the, um, the text version there. And then the fourth and final uh, part is the interactive concordance, which it has links the word links to all of the different um, occurrences. So like say we're doing a, a study on the heart. So you click on heart and it brings up the concordance where every time that that Hebrew word is mentioned that you can see which chapter and verse and what the context is there so that you can get Isaiah's full meaning of the word heart kind of thing. So anyway, there's four different uh, very helpful um, buttons to do. So for our comparative translation right now, let's look at the King James versus Isaiah Institute. And we're going to be in chapters 34 and 35. And let's just read through those. Um, I'm going to read the Isaiah Institute version. It says, come near you nations and hear. Pay attention, you peoples. Let the earth give heed and all who are upon it, the world and all who spring from it. Jehovah's rage is upon all nations, his fury upon all their hosts. He has doomed them, consigned them to the slaughter. Their slain shall be flung out and their corpses amid a stench. Their blood shall dissolve on the mountains. Their fat decompose on the, key, on the hills. When the heavens are rolled up as a scroll and their starry hosts shed themselves with one accord, let withered leaves from a vine or shriveled fruit from a fig tree. When my sword drinks its fill in the heavens, it shall come down on Edom in judgment, on the people I have sentenced to damnation. Jehovah has a sword that shall engorge with blood and blood itself with fat. The blood of lambs and he goats, the fat, the kidney fat of rams. For Jehovah will hold a slaughter in Basra, an immense massacre in the land of Edom. Among them shall fall buffaloes, bulls, and steers. Their land shall be saturated with blood, their soil enriched with fat. For it is Jehovah's day of vengeance, the year of retribution on behalf of Zion. Edom's stream shall turn into lava and her earth into brimstone. Her land shall become as burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke, its smoke shall ascend forever. 
It shall remain a wasteland from generation to generation through endless ages, none shall traverse it. Mom, do you wanna pick up with the next 10 verses? Okay. But hawks and falcons shall possess it and owls and ravens inhabit it. It shall be surveyed with muddled measure and chaotic weight. Uh, shall they summon its nobles when it is no kingdom, when all its lords no longer exist? For thorns shall overgrow its palaces, thistles and briars its strongholds. It shall become the haunt of howling creatures, a reserve for birds of prey. Prairie wolves shall greet jackals, and white goat, wild goats call to one another. There too shall the night owl find repose and discover her for herself a resting place. There shall the hawk owl nest and... Oh, sorry. <laughs> let's see. And lay eggs, hatch them and brood over her young. There too shall kites come together, each one accompanying her mate. Remind me what a kite is. Is that a bird? It's a type of bird, but I can't remember which one. <laughs> Search and read it in the book of Jehovah. None is unaccounted for. <clears throat> Not one lacks her mate. By his mouth, he decreed it. By his spirit, he brings them together. It is he who allots them an inheritance, his hand that divides it by measure. They shall possess it forever, inhabited it, inhabit it for generation to generation. So yeah, <laughs> you would have asked me a year ago to interpret that and all that animal talk is all about i wouldn't have have got it in the least but um here in in the the heading the nations are slaughtered and their lands laid waste in jehovah's day of vengeance on on behalf of zion so we see that ruin and rebirth that that happens but it's flipped in verses or chapters 34 and 35 where this is upon the the nations or the, the university <coughs> versus just on the, the nation of Israel there. Um, some very interesting descriptions and, uh, and word links there. Um, in uh, Avraham's whole thing, um, anytime that you see something in bold, it either means that it is the uh, Davidic servant or the Antichrist, one, or, one of the two. Um, he has bolded all references to to those two characters in the end time. So when it's talking about vengeance or retribution, etc. So has anybody, or like, what is Edom? What does Edom represent in all of this? Because like this chapter brings it up quite a bit. Um, let's see, we have it there in verse nine. In verse six, it talks about Basra and Edom. Does anybody have any insights into to what that is? Uh, why Isaiah is uh, bringing that into to the picture here? No, do you? <laughs> I, I did go and, and study it, but I don't want to be the only one talking. <laughs> so can you do the concordance um, on that? Or did you have? Um, yeah, let me, I was just Googling kite to, to see what it was really quick. Um, so Edom Interactive Concordance. Let's find Edom. Well, Edom's like the wicked. Edom was where um, Esau ended up. He's kind of the, I don't know. He he went about he went against the 
covenants. He married outside the marriage covenant of um, marrying within the, the church and stuff. Anyway, it's just always kind of represented almost like Nod, but the the wicked, in my mind anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see. So just some of the different verses here. So we have the um, the sword drinks its fill in the heavens. It shall come down on Edom in judgment and the immense massacre in the land of Edom. Who is this coming from Edom in red stained garments? Who is this from Basra? Basra is the capital of Edom. Oh, it is. And let's see. Oh, and that's just the same one that we had before. So yeah, um, it's interesting as I was uh, searching and uh, trying to figure out why Edom's being played in here is that when Esau sold his birthright for a mess of pottage and you know that whole story there with um, the deception of uh, Isaac, etc., is that when Esau sold his birthright and gave up his, uh, his right to the patriarchal line, he actually had a name change from the Lord um, just like Jacob changed his name to Israel when he started living commandments, Esau, his name was changed to Edom because he failed to keep his, his covenants. And so that was the first time that I, I had ever heard that. That was very interesting to, to note that as you descend the ladder, you're also taking upon yourself new names and um, kind of the, not, not officially, in every scenario kind of thing but um that that's what esau's new name was was edom and and he represents the the people that persecute the righteous you know i mean there's a common phrase that once you leave the church you can never leave it alone um many of uh many apostates you know just just can't get over it and they 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 can't just like slip quietly into the night kind of a thing it's that they have to come back in and try to to be a thorn in the side kind of thing and that's what Esau did to to Jacob the rest of his life um anytime that uh the Israelites were uh meriting the their covenant curses uh Edom was right there uh taking advantage of the situations so like when Babylon came in and destroyed Israel and took them captive, Edom was right there reaping all the benefits from it. They were um, castigating the people, sub, uh, subjugating them even worse, and, and taking the spoils of war and just wreaking havoc with Babylon to, to damage uh, those tribes of Israel. Uh, Edom definitely represents the world as, as a whole, um, and, and another word for Edom is like Idumea, uh, Idumea meaning the world. We, we see that a few times in the scriptures. Anyway, I thought that that was just very interesting to kind of see where Edom comes from. But as we see here in this ruin and rebirth scenario, that in chapters 34 and 35, when it swaps, that he's very much bringing Edom in as a representation of the universal um, ruin that happens. There's going to be um, the sword that drinks its fill in the heavens and come down upon Edom in judgment. And um, let's see, later on, where does it? An immense massacre in the land of Edom. Uh, you know, we, we see lots of different prophecies of how um, the world is going to experience uh, lots of death and, uh, and pain towards the end. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, Even back when Moses was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, 
and they were coming up um, through the land. They, the Edomites wouldn't let them through. They had to go clear around. Um, so it, it seems to be a like a canker on them, the, the Israelites for the Edomites. They just, there seems to be a, just a, almost yeah. like hate for them that's passed down because these are like years later and stuff. Yeah, throughout all the generations, it, it's always mm -hmm. there. Yeah. I have not dove into it further and studied it as in like modern day Edomites. I don't know if they're still around, if they're still a canker. Maybe that's some of the, the Palestinian conflict and stuff too. Who knows? But you, you said about this Basra, you know, you hear about that all the time. Basra, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that was the capital of Edom. But what where is Basra in modern day? Like what's the I don't know. Because I don't think Edom is there as Edom, is it? Basra, where's that? Oh, in Jordan? Let's see. So, Busseria is a town in Jordan located between the towns of that and that. Um, Basra is a biblical city identified by some researchers with an archaeological site situated in the village of Bucera. But it seems like Jordan's in there, you know. I think it, yeah. it's where Jordan is. Yeah, that's very interesting. Like, I put that yeah, I, I haven't put all that together until it mentions Basra and like, yeah, we hear about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna see what a kite is. It's... So it's kind of like a hawk looking thing. Um, so it's a bird of prey. So one of those unclean animals that's in mm -hmm. Jewish law. Interesting, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Um, anything else on, on chapter 34 before we go on to 35? Well, we will into this one how many verses we got here oh we got 10. um does anybody want to read that one laura or elm i can read it so wilderness and arid land shall be jubilant <clears throat> the desert shall rejoice when it blossoms like the crocus joyous it shall break out and flower singing with delight it shall be endowed with the glory of lebanon the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, the glory of Jehovah and the splendor of our God. They shall see there, strengthen the hands grown feeble, steady the failing knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, take courage, be unafraid. See your God coming to avenge and to reward. God himself will come and deliver you. I love that part right there. <laughs> like, yeah, I live for that. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like deer and the tongue of the dumb shout for joy. Water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams flow in the desert. The land of mirages shall become one of lakes. The thirsty place springs of water in haunt of howling creatures shall marsh, marshes break out. In the reserves shall come rushes and reeds, reeds. There shall be highways and roads, which shall be called the way of holiness. For they shall be for such as are holy. The unclean shall not traverse them. On them shall no reprobates wander. No lion shall be encountered there, nor shall wild beasts intrude but the redeemed shall walk them. The ransom of Jehovah shall return 
they shall come singing to Zion, their heads crowned with everlasting joy. They shall have one joy and gladness when sorrow and sighting flee away. There's some amazing promises and blessings there, right? That, that are coming, like you said, mm -hmm. God himself. Right? Come and deliver you. The water shall break forth the wilderness and streams flow in the desert. I know. I wish that would happen right it now. Become, <laughs> the, the land of mirages shall become one of lakes. The thirsty place springs of water. There shall be highways and roads, which shall be called the way of holiness. So what does that look like? Why, why is verse 8 even prophesied? Because we see in the flip side, in uh, the first part, 1 through 5, where uh, the highways are broken up and there, there is no more travel. There is no more commerce. The, the trades of the earth have ceased. And yet here, on, on the flip side, when that's repaired, when we have this way of holiness, I, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot more there that I, I, I just haven't pondered upon or thought of yet, but it seems like um, it's going to, to be a, a new system, uh, something that I haven't quite put my finger on yet, but that the unclean shall not traverse them. Like, are we going to have unclean people in the millennium? Uh, does that mean just uh, the fact that people who have entered into covenants are clean versus unclean? Or why would there even be unclean people that are around? I don't know. There, there's just a lot of interesting parts there in, in verse 8. So if we think of what we have, you know, after... Um, well, before 35, sorry. So before 35, right, we have um, destruction and craziness. And the more righteous, and through Helaman, and then the more righteous is what survives and is able to see the Savior. They're not, they're not all perfect. There isn't anyone perfect. They still need to be baptized. Things, you know, they still need to repent. They had lots of work to do. Yeah. Um, and so we can look at the world today and see how wicked parts of it are and that there are more righteous still. And so I, I guess the more righteous will see these things that, um, that are the blessings. Yeah, for sure. That, that's a, a great parallel. I mean, like we've already seen it play out at, at the time of Christ in, in the Book of Mormon. My, my brain hadn't even connected those two yet. But um, a lot of these things that it talks about here are um, mirrored in, in that story as well. They, they saw great changes and crazy stuff, and they made it through that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really hoping that you know, our faith and, and our, our belief in the Savior and our relationship with him Will make those things easier. They're not going to be easy to see. It's not going to be an easy time. We're going to be tested. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. It's not going to be fun at all. But these stories, I mean, we have all these stories. We have all these people that went through these things and they made it. These people that went through these things did not have these stories. They didn't carry these scriptures around. We know our time is going to be more terrific, both good and bad than what has been given us in the scriptures. So we need all these things. And I just keep trying to fill it up and fill it up and fill it up. Mm. So that I have all these things, all these reserves to make it through the future. Exactly. Yeah, I have no doubt that that's why we have been kind of led to Isaiah at this time. You know, back when I started the book club with Abraham, uh, you know, that was consuming my studies and, and I loved studying Abraham etc I had no idea or inkling to go to Isaiah that wasn't even on my game plan um, but a, a few people just kept uh, nudging me that direction it was like no we really should study Isaiah it's kind of where it's at and stuff and so I'm like okay well we'll go study Isaiah you know I 
it, it's especially hard for me to like carry on a conversation or moderate a group or, or anything like that when I know nothing of the, the subject and I've never studied Isaiah before. But um, kind of like you said, as we're uh, preparing for these things, we, we have everything given to us. We live in this uh, last dispensation when we have so much truth and uh, words restored. And yet how many times had I just kind of glazed over Isaiah thinking, oh, someday, or I don't know, I don't know what my attitude was before, but I've repented. Now I love Isaiah. It's so fun, <laughs> especially with, with some of these helps that um, commentaries that, that people have um, given so that we can really dive in and, and figure out some of the those Hebraisms that uh, get lost with our, our Western culture kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Isaiah was a huge obstacle for me. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't figure out why Joseph Smith mm -hmm. with so many chapters of Isaiah in the Book of Mormon, like, why couldn't you be more creative than that? <laughs> Seriously. And then it was difficult to read and it was difficult for me to read the Book of Mormon anyway. And, and this is, I'm, we're just talking, we're just talking 15, 15, you know, 16, 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I can pretty much pronounce all the words in the Book of Mormon now, but in the beginning, I couldn't even read it. It was like a whole other language. <laughs> right? Yeah. I found that a lot, especially as I was a missionary teaching it. And people were like, I can't even say these things. How can I, how can you expect me to read it? And I'm like, well, it's not that hard, but I grew up with it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, it, it, it's quite a, a interesting book. I was the same way with um, Jesus the Christ. The first time I read it, I was like, yeah, this sucks. Like I, I have to get a dictionary and look up each single word just to figure out what he's doing. And I'm exhausted just reading a paragraph. And I was like, I'm done with it. But now I can pick up that book and like, oh, this is what it's saying, you know, kind of thing. There's um So you used to be able to find on the gospel library app. Can you do you know where to still find Jesus the Christ on there? But and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh my gosh. Oh no, you're good. Um I, I think it's just under the Jesus Christ category. Just in Jesus. If, let's see. So after um yeah, oh Jesus of Christ would tell me exactly that's exactly where it is. Um after listening to um Brother Gileadi and how he's explained all these chapters that are in the Book of Mormon. It makes mm -hmm. sense. And I, and I wish I could just like intelligently have this conversation and I can't. And then I just have to fall back to 35 where, where Jesus says, study these words of Isaiah. I'm like right there, there's the commandment. This is something we're supposed to do. And so this is the natural flow of what I believe we should be doing is studying Isaiah after mm -hmm. Abraham and President Nelson's homework assignment that he gave us to study the blessings and covenants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. This is like the next part. Yeah, exactly. Amazing to me that this book made it through all the translations, probably because they just didn't know where to take anything out. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah, exactly. The kings couldn't take out stuff that was going to help anybody because they, they couldn't understand and they all just leave it in there. I guess I don't know. Pretty amazing. Yeah. That it survived. Isaiah and Revelation. Some of the other ones as well. You know, like um, Daniel and Ezra. There's there's parts of it that are very symbolic and, and kind of unchanged from the, the old Masoretic. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how all that works and all of it plays. Like it. <laughs> this is just a weird thing, but it must be exhausting to be God, right? Like to have all of this figured out and all of the pieces put together and like, okay, well, we'll reveal it to Isaiah this way so that he can write it so that it won't be changed throughout the course of the time. Like, oh my word, I, <laughs> someday we're going to become gods and, and, and do these same kind of things and stuff. That, that, there's a lot of <laughs> processes to, to, to put together and, and moving pieces to, to work out. Uh, that's just another testimony that, that, God is, is, has such a great and perfect plan for each of us. How can we ever question it? 
um, you know, if he can, can orchestrate all of this, he can orchestrate each of our lives in order to prepare us for, for the times that are coming. Um, and and how, who are we to ever doubt that kind of a thing? Uh, you know, as we see many people falling away from the church or um, getting offended over um, some of these little things, it, it kind of comes from, from a proper perspective of just getting mired down in, in a myopic kind of, in the myopic weeds. Uh, so to say, you know, like just branch out, try to see God's perspective of things. He's, he's so good and great and, and has given us all of the help that we can, can have. And as we try to ascend the ladder to heaven and accept the ministering angels that come to us, everything works out and, and you'll get line upon line kind of a thing. That makes me think I need to study that talk by President Nelson again. What, what is the name of that one? With myopic in it. Mm, now you're putting me on the spot. I can't even think. <laughs> it's okay. I can it. search it and find it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let God prevail. Maybe it has to do with. Yep. Yeah. Let God prevail from October 2020. October 2020. Is that what you said? Uh huh. Yep. God prevail. Well, that was another one of the homework assignments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let me bookmark this one. I'll have to go over this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much homework. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So did you have an opportunity to watch the videos that I sent out about Isaiah? Um, let me yeah. pop those up really quick. Um, and thank you, Elle, for responding to, to Roxanne. I, I couldn't even think what video she was talking about. And as soon as she replied that, I'm like, oh, yeah, those ones. <laughs> My homework assignments, obviously. <laughs> Let's see. Stream. Um, I found these overviews of the book of Isaiah very helpful from the Bible project. So it just goes through and, and explains things very well. It is from a different faith perspective, but um, just looking at Isaiah as a whole and, and breaking apart the history of it is um, very much parallel along the literary uh, message that, that Isaiah has. So uh, here we are in chapters one through five, and then 34 through 35. And, and we see that there's this message of judgment and hope, or in Avraham's words, ruin and rebirth, um, that is kind of a baseline. So ruin and rebirth is, is played out throughout the entire book of Isaiah, but never in the juxtaposed direct uh, comparison that it is right here at the, the front of the book. So he's laying a foundation so that all of the other principles can build upon this idea of ruin and rebirth. Because we ruin ourselves through sins and transgressions, there's hope in a rebirth if we'll do the, the steps necessary. He will redeem us. And then comes all of the uh, you know, uh, disinheritance and inheritance and humiliation and exaltation, etc. But they all need this basis for uh, ruin and rebirth to, in order to get there. And so I loved these videos as a great overview of the history, because we'll be taking, um, you know, the king of Assyria and the, the suffering servant there in the end, we'll be taking the example of Hezekiah and King Ahaz, uh, all of these different stories that play out that, that God has given to Isaiah so that uh, we can see a fuller picture of the, the end times. Uh, I find this video super helpful um, to review often. I, I, I watch it every time I sit down to study Isaiah. I do a quick recap of these two videos and I watch those again so that I can kind of get my bearings uh, and, and start studying again. Um, 
yeah, so I mean, we're kind of out of time. Any like kind of last thoughts on this idea of ruin and rebirth? Next week, we're going to be uh, shifting gears and, and going into the next step of the bifid structure. But um, like the question that I, I posed to my mom before class. So what have you learned from ruin and rebirth that has changed your perspective or uh, enticed you to, to implement these, these principles kind of thing? Like, why do we have the sections of ruin and rebirth and, and how has it helped you? And I just kind of throw that out to everyone. My mom can answer it again if she wants. <laughs> well, in that, those Bible things you were just talking about, um, the ruin and rebirth, they kind of talk about it as judgments and hope. Mm-hmm. And so like when I replace rebirth with hope, uh, well, it kind of is more meaningful to me for some reason. But anyway, we, we always have this hope um, with, with our savior because we can always repent. He'll always take us back if we'll do that repentance, but we got to do it. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not going to, and we get some warnings and stuff from prophets and different things, but it's up to us to take care of our repentance process. But boy, the minute we repent, um, Jesus just takes us right back in, you know, and and that there's always hope. And, you know, without hope, my goodness, where would we be? But anyway, it's kind of it's my thoughts on it. I like that. Thanks for sharing that. Trying to find this last little Um, So again, from the, the literary book, um, he gives a summary that the juxtaposed themes of ruin and rebirth in part one account for virtually the entire material. But the uh, the dominance of these themes in parallel units establishes the idea of a reversal of circumstances between Zion and the nations of the Gentiles. That, let's see. Part one of the Bifid structure is unique in that the concepts that it establishes nowhere recur in the form of parallel and antithetical motifs or as the thrust of the entire material. On the other hand, all concepts of the Bifid structure, um, all concepts that the Bifid structure develops are cumulative in nature. Once they are established, they are maintained throughout the the remainder of the book. Um, So I I thought that that was very interesting, taking this ruin and rebirth, and it's just going to to be amplified throughout the rest of the book. It's the foundation stones on which all of the other things are built. There's a reason that humiliation and exaltation doesn't come first, or disobedience and obedience. It, It has to be predicated upon ruin and rebirth, with that idea in mind, we can then move forward and start building this structure. Um, and yeah, it, I, I've been able to, to start seeing that. Any uh, scriptures that I've been reading, so like, come follow me this week, I see this ruin and rebirth being played out many times over. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can start getting this framework and start seeing it in the world around me. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that's changed for me um, studying this, this section, uh, these past couple weeks is, I don't know, it, like, it's always around, but sometimes you don't know how to put it into words, or, or talk about it, or, um, see it in application, um, but, but now that the Avraham Giliadi has kind of formed, uh, a coherent thought and, and a structure to it, I can then go and apply it and see it, like, oh, this is what it is, and this is how it plays out. Uh, I, I just love that. 
I do love uh, studying with other people and getting their ideas and, and commentaries on it as well. Um, it just helps enrich everything. If I was just left with the scriptures alone and, and no outside help from anyone else on, on earth, I probably wouldn't get very far in the gospel like ever. Maybe, maybe give me like 500 years and, and I might get there. But, you know, that's, that's part of the, the great part of the, the last days. We have technology that enhances our communication and uh, allows us to study with many different things at our fingertips in order for us to, to grow and, and rise very quickly. Uh, I, I, I just love it. Um, <laughs> I hate reading, but uh, I love studying. And so I push through and, and try to read as much as I can. But um, uh, I, I get a lot more out of discussions and, and talking with people face-to-face -face on yeah. and stuff. Well, and new ideas of different things that you haven't thought about to study. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah, exactly. Just like um, some different times that I, I've asked around in the, the book clubs, like, well, what books are you studying? What what commentaries are you, are you reading from right now and stuff? And I, I get these little suggestions and, you know, I don't have time to do it all, but, you know, I, I take a little here and a little there and get excited. Um, there are so many different um ways to study that I normally wouldn't have even thought of. Um, one that was kind of crazy, like I've studied Mary Magdalene before, but, but never really in depth or anything. I, I just have my opinions and stuff. And then um, Alethea uh, said that she really wanted me to watch this video. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll break down and watch it and stuff. Boom. I, I'm taking this class now, it's changed my life. Like there's so much to, to the Mary Magdalene story that plays into all of this. But, okay, share that anyway. one with me. What's that video? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it started um, off on uh, living, not living scriptures. What was that? Um, talking scriptures. Talking scriptures. That was the yeah. first thing she shared with us. But, but then that kind of grew into that, um, oh, her and that other guy on the podcast thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Talking Scriptures is kind of like a uh, come follow me commentary each week that they put out videos by, and it's by Mike Day. He's a, a seminaries and institutes person. Um, but he had a guest, Mandy Green, that came on and, and was talking about Mary Magdalene for their Easter episode uh, last year or the year before. I can't remember. But anyway, Alethea really wanted me to watch or listen to this, this podcast. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I just chatted it to you. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, there was lots of things that I already knew. I, I've got a, a few books on Mary Magdalene, but I hadn't really done the deep dive and so uh, she has a class it is like 125 bucks it's very expensive but um uh, we've been taking that and studying it and uh, just learning and growing it. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, you go? but yeah it, it it's interesting how much the mary magdalene story plays into isaiah it plays into to the book of revelation yeah. um it, it's just kind of an overarching theme it, you just see it everywhere and, and i i don't know i had missed it all along um anyway yeah it, it's a great side study if you have time to do that <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, glad to do that. I'm so sorry yeah. i think and i started playing i'm like ah oh, wait <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah i do that all the time too but, <laughs> but this, this mandy green has uh, do you call them podcasts? But anyway, she has that site. Remember that? And it, it doesn't cost anything. And she um, has... On Apple Podcasts, you can uh, listen to her thing as well. But those were really interesting, too. They weren't mm -hmm. as in-depth as what this class that we took of hers. But, but yeah, that was good. But yeah. Uh, just kind of going back to our point, like we, we get so enriched from all of these different things, um, uh, different perspectives and book suggestions from, from people in the class. Uh, 
like mm -hmm. the Enoch letters. Uh, you recommended that to me, and I went and read it again. And that was really great. And, um, okay. Going anyway, it, it's just fun studying with people, getting all of the stuff down. All right. Well, any last thoughts before we head out for the night? <laughs> it's been fun. I I love it. This is our our small group, but it's a uh, lots of good deep discussion. Love that. All right. Well, we will see everyone next week then. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.